Texans defend Whataburger like it's the Alamo. Hey, I trust my fashion sense, okay? Baylor Romney's right arm cost Boise State mm. millions mm. of dollars. And, and I said as I shot it, call me late! Dirty Dan! <laughs> Dirty Dan! <laughs> this is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. There is no man more excited to talk about Colby Lee and his team than Mark Pope, who joins us in Studio B. Welcome, Coach. Uh, After, yes, a tough weekend at Gonzaga, but that was fun to watch Colby Lee ball out on Thursday night as well. Junior Quickie Monster. Yeah. I'm going to bring you guys Junior Quickie Monster t-shirts. Okay. That'd be fantastic. (laughs) We'll take it. We'll take it. It was fun to uh, have you come over and, and listen to him talk about what it meant to have you validate his efforts and his hard work as a head coach and also Coach Burgess. Like That uh, clearly yeah. means a lot to Colby. Yeah, well, he's a, he's a stud. He's um, done an unbelievable job, and he's growing before our eyes, and it's really fun to watch. How would you feel about the Gonzaga game? Is it Martin Luther King Day today? It is. <laughs> that it is. Have we done a Martin Luther King today? You know, maybe the greatest coach that ever lived. Like, maybe. MLK. Yes. As a teacher, you're saying? Yes, as a coach, that's what you do as a coach. Mm-hmm. You you capture the hearts and minds of your guys. Uh, the great coaches that I've been able to play for were able to capture the hearts and minds of a team and make them do things that they couldn't do. And certainly this Martin Luther King did in a big way. Yeah, so we had a tribute from BYU football, uh, some of the personalities there to open up the show, but you're right. And to me, the biggest part of what he did in his legacy was that he accomplished so much through – Love, not yeah. not force and opposition, but it was it was a love movement. So so interesting. So one of his one of his greatest quotes is, "Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that." I mean, talk about words that should reverberate through our society right now. One of the great human beings to ever walk yes. on the face of this planet. Yeah. We could use some more of that. It's yeah, great. Absolutely. A lot of the holidays, I don't know what the source of the holidays is. I'm bringing that up but... after a loss. For all the hate there might be, <laughs> hate cannot drive out hate, boys. <laughs> Only love can do Only that. Only love. So what did you love Saturday? Uh, I love the fact that our guys really competed, man. You know what? If you look at our team right now, you cannot I, – I, I hope that – uh, everybody in BYU Nation is is taking a uh, taking the time to get to know these guys and appreciate that they're putting their heart and soul on this court every single night. You talk about a guy like Zach Selyus. He cannot give one ounce more of anything that he is uh, to this team or to this game than he is, and that is a beautiful thing. It's, it's extraordinary to watch. And... Um, this team is really fighting and competing for each other, and we got beat on Saturday. We got beat straight up. They beat us. And, um, but I was unbelievably proud of our guys' effort and intensity and energy. And, and, and as we go through this journey of the season, uh, the people that kind of stay in there for the twists and turns and the ups and downs, they're the ones that are really, really rewarded by experiencing uh, what this season is currently and what it's going to end up being. It's pretty awesome. So, I mean, that's what I take from it. I take the fact that we got beat, like straight up beat, the fact that we have to get way better. We got to work on getting better every single day. 
uh, and the fact that these guys are fully, fully invested in this season and in this team, and, and I expect great things to happen. Could your Kentucky team that won the title have taken this Gonzaga team? Yes. You, Straight up. You won, so I Yeah, no it. question. Yeah. <laughs> That's not taken away from anything from this team. It's the best team in the country. This is the best team in the country. And, and, and listen, they drilled us. And when I say that, I mean, what they did is they beat us. They straight up beat us. Sometimes you finish a game and, and you feel like, ah, man, if we had just done this different or just done that different. And, and there are certainly adjustments looking back that I'm like, oh, we could have done this. and Maybe we could have changed the rotation here and, and done whatever. But, but they, were the, they were definitely the better team on Saturday night. And um, they, they deserve that win and they earned that win. And, and they're not the number one team in the country for nothing. Uh, that's a terrific basketball team. Mark Pope, BYU basketball head coach with us on BYU Sports Nation. What did you learn in round one with Gonzaga that will help you in preparation for late February when they return to Provo? Well, it's, it's, you know, I'm not going to tell you anything you don't know. This Killian Tilly is really special, and he's kind of rounding back into form. It's taken him a little bit while, but he's so versatile. I mean, uh, his assist to turnover ratio is unbelievable. He's six eleven and he's handling the ball. And uh, he he's he's actually an extraordinary passer. He had a high low pass where the ball barely hit his hands, and Kobe Lee was in a full front. And and it was like there was a, a two foot window for the pass to go in. It's almost like he didn't look. An eighteen nineteen foot pass for a layup and uh he's he's handling the ball really well he's shooting the ball better every single game uh he's really really so smart you know we tried a bunch of different stuff we tried jan when we tried ball first and we tried switching on him and he was smart enough in ball screen actions to make the right read every time to put us in a bad spot spot and uh he he's really good um their backcourt is really fast and really explosive uh, at one point, you know, in a tough time for us, I think 13 minutes, I think 13, 22, uh, 13, 44, 13, 23, and then f- uh, 12, 50 maybe. Uh, in, in about 52 seconds, they had three straight uh, transition laps where they just bum-rushed us down the floor. And it wasn't that our guys weren't sprinting back. We just we just couldn't manage it in a bad stretch for us in the second half. So, uh, you know, we got a, you, we knew going in we had to manage transition defense, and they doubled down on that. We have to do it. I mean, there's a laundry list of things that we can do better that we're going to have to do better, but um, we will. Steve will grow. I wish you'd be a little more specific. Your generalities are just hard to follow. <laughs> I, I just I didn't know what time anything happened there. That was fantastic. It was, not a good minute. it was not a good minute for us. That you recall know, was impressive. What's interesting is we had, you know, I, I, both teams had got stops for about four straight possessions. There was a, a possession there where, where we had a – Kobe had that three from the top that he pulled. We had a three from Dalton Nixon in the corner, and we had a three from someone else in the corner. We missed all three, and we had, had unbelievable stops on the other end. You remember uh, Dalton comes late in transition and strips the ball. It was kind of that series where it was a six-point game and we were stuck a six-point mm-hmm. game, and it was a battle to see who was going to come out of that, and they did. They came out on the right side of that. Let's talk about Yoli Childs now. Uh, what's the timeline like for his return? Any, any sense of perhaps this week? I, I, I can 100% tell you that I can 100% have no idea. I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that maybe he can get back and play some this weekend. I just don't know. I mean, uh, you know, looking at the, at the puncture wound uh, on Saturday, it just it still has got a long way to go to heal. Mm. Um, so um, we're, we're, we're trying to be cautious and make sure that we don't take any chances with this. Um, clearly, at this point, uh, you know, he's, he's already, you know, sacrificed a bunch of games this year and 
we need to have him down the stretch. So um, whatever it takes, we just need to make sure that he's fully healthy and ready to go when he gets back on the floor. Is there any situation where he would play with it bandaged up extra tight to where he might not shoot, but he'd play defense or something? Or do you want to wait until he's 100%? Go. You just like bubble wrap his whole hand and just have like, him out there? Uh, <laughs> I, would, I would actually. Do we have bubble wrap here? We could, of course I we would do. love to like get a little visual of this. No, but uh, he, he, he would help us. You know, at this point, bodies help us, right? And he's got an extraordinary body. But like, we just are down on bodies. Um, so. I, I don't think we would do that. Um, you know, I think as, as much as I want to get him back out on the floor, as much as he wants to get back on the floor, as much as the team wants him back on the floor, like we have to do it when he's healthy and when he's ready to go. Yeah, you used a couple of words last week, confident and comfortable. When Yoli feels that he is both of those and able to affect the game in a positive way for BYU, that's when he will play. So how much are you leaving this up to him and the way that he feels? Well, we, 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 we talk about it every day, uh, and it, there's going to be markers. Like, we actually haven't got him back out on the practice floor. He actually catches a contested pass, mm. right? You think about that. I don't know if he's caught a full-speed pass yet. Um, and so he has uh, kind of gone through some dummy offensive drills. He has got up some shots. And, you know, you can imagine as traumatic as that injury was, just grabbing and gripping the ball is way different than just kind of holding a ball or shooting a little floater, right? And so, um, you know, so we'll, we'll make some progress this, this week and see where we're at in practice. How do you feel about the overall resume at this point? Because obviously you, you want to play your best now and get to Selection Sunday and good, but so far so good, 37 in net and uh, top 40 and everything. It's yeah, like I, I mean, you know, we, um, I'm, I'm proud of where we are for sure. Uh, I think what these guys have accomplished so far this season is spectacular. But, but you know, that's all that's done is kind of put us in a position where we're where we want to be. All the action is going to happen in the next next six weeks. I mean, that's where that's where everything happens. And so, um, I, I think we're in a good spot right now. But um, you know, it's so early in terms of all this stuff kind of panning itself out the way it will. We just have to go do our work. Mark Pope, BYU basketball head coach on BYU Sports Nation. That work next starts with Pacific and San Francisco, a couple of big road games this week. Let's start in chronological order at Pacific. What's the scouting report right now on the Tigers in Stockton? Well, this, this uh, number zero trip is just a – he's a freak. Jalil yeah, Tripp. Yeah, he is, he is, he's really special. And um, he's given everybody in this league fits. And they, are, you know, they already have huge wins in conference. Uh, the St. Mary's win, uh, you know, they had Santa Clara on the ropes. Um, you know, they're a good team. They just got their point guard back. He had missed the first four or five games of conference. And so he's back, played uh, kind of his, intro, you know, his, his, his first shot at I think they brought him off the bench. He maybe played 16 minutes against Santa Clara. So I expect him to start in this game against us. So they have their, their full team. And uh, it's always tough to play down there. And this is probably their, the most talented team they've had. Um, you know, I think they finished the regular season thirteen and three, or the non-conference season twelve and three, something like that. So um, they're used to winning uh, down there this season, and so it's going to be a it's going to be a great challenge. Going two on the road is better than the split. It feels like, at least in terms of okay, we'll just stay out there, right? Because sometimes you go home road, you're flying back. So is the other team the same day. So you you take two on the road. This is one of the last times you're going to do that. What will it take for this group to come home with two wins? 
Well, we got to go. Uh, we got to do what we've done every single game so far, which is go play with unbelievable intensity and commitment to the game. That's the one thing that has been a constant with this team. It's pretty extraordinary. I mean, we're probably one of a handful of teams that have actually come out every single night, um, peaked uh, to, to to compete. So we have to do that. We've got to do the same things. We've got to find a way to rebound this ball. We just have to be able to rebound the ball. Um, Pacific is a plus 11 on the glass. They've out-rebounded their opponent by 200 rebounds over the course of the season so Whoa. far. Um, and so we have to be able to rebound the ball. We've got to manage transition defense. And uh, they're a really physical, you know, if there was a, uh, you know, Damon has been a good friend for a long time. And, and if there's anything about this team right now that's their identity, they win every 50-50 ball and they're scrappy and tough and physical and we got to find a way to to equalize and exceed them in that category and if we could do that we'll have a chance to be successful uh how are you emotionally by the way your oldest daughter's going on a mission here soon i'm good uh, yeah but she's going to be in the mtc for six weeks i mean i'm She'll looking right I'm, look, I'm looking from the office i'm essentially looking out the window right yeah. into her window yeah, and you so. can't go over there but you can face that oh i can go over there isn't this all, <laughs> this all the byu community i thought don't we have it's a special pass on campus when i well, took this home. job they told me i had a pass to the mtc i don't think i don't think <laughs> <laughs> when does she go in again? She goes in the 29th. That's exciting. Awesome. Okay, nine more days. Outstanding. Yeah, enjoy. By the way, you bring up Damon Stoudemire. If there's ever a guy that had a facial expression that embodied the whole phrase, come on, man, it's Damon Stoudemire. <laughs> I feel like he coaches the whole game with that facial expression on his face. This, this Damon Stoudemire, man, first of all, he's so funny. Like, he is so, I love him. He's so funny. We actually kind of came up in basketball together, and um, and he, 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 seriously, he was one of the most, uh, if you were an NBA fan during his tenure, I mean, uh, it was so fun to watch him. Like he just had a motor that would not quit, and uh, he's a, he's a good friend. Mighty Mouse, Mighty Mouse, yeah, Mighty Mouse, man, yeah, watch awesome. out. Mark, thanks for coming in, man. Thanks, Mark. Okay, thanks. We'll see you tomorrow night. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. It is time that we welcome back a man who has successfully ventured across the seven seas and paraded down Bourbon Street as well. He's back from vacation, fresh rested, ready to go. Ben Bagley, welcome back. It's great to be back. It's also a lot colder to be back. Yes. Is it great to be back? Hey, uh, I I think we should play Buy, Sell, or Hold, man. Presented by Bodyguards. Protection for a life worth living. Learn more at Bodyguards.com. Ben, what do you have for us fresh off your New Orleans trip? Well, first off, buy, sell, or hold. BYU's offensive being more potent next season because of the O-line. Uh, hold? Holding? Uh, based on what I outlined in the uh, in what's trending, yes, BYU had a good offensive line. I'm surprised by these numbers. I'm surprised by these ratings. BYU plays a tough schedule, and uh, if BYU is going to be a really good offense, I think it's more than just this yes hold it's on the quarterback my friends holding on the quarterback it's the court the quarterback plays such a significant role in football at the highest of levels college nfl if byu has excellent quarterback play next year behind a great offensive line could be a special season the offensive line can only do so much they can't make the throws. They can't make the decisions. So I'm holding on this. It's on the quarterback more to me. Holding is appropriate. Number two. All right. Speaking of quarterbacks, buy, sell, or hold. Sojay Mayava 
who was the Polynesian Bowl Offensive MVP over the weekend, playing in a game next season for BYU. Bye, he can Richard. Play four games. Yeah, he's coming in against North Alabama, and he's kneeling it out. <laughs> Hopefully hopefully he gets to do more than just kneel it out against North Alabama live on BYU TV, probably. BYU will have three guys ahead of him, probably. BYU has three non-seniors come back. Yeah, he'll he'll see some snaps playing a game or two. Why not? Yeah, I'm buying that. Hopefully he doesn't play at all. That would mean that BYU's three quarterbacks are healthy. And he's completely rich. This is also true. Number three. Buy, sell, or hold. BYU hoops going 3-0 in the next three games at Pacific, at USF, and at home versus Pepperdine. I think I'm buying this. I'm confident that BYU has the proper sense of urgency and preparation with seven seniors, with a coach who's saying the right things. I think BYU's doing the right things, which is more important than saying it. I buy this. I think BYU's going to win the next three. We didn't go four on this because of St. Mary's. It's the that trio that we talked about It's a little tricky. Pacific, San Francisco, Pepperdine. Mm. I'm I'm going to buy this. And the toughest game for me was the one at Pacific. But because BYU is coming off of a loss against Gonzaga, refocus, re-energize, all hands on deck, they know how important this game is. I like their chances at Pacific. San Francisco's not as good as they were last year. And Pepperdine at home, I'm, I'm giving BYU a win. BYU's not going to lose to Pepperdine in Provo. Right. So I am buying this. I was a little hesitant with Pacific. Because BYU is refocused after Gonzaga, yeah, I like this. Next. Buy, sell, or hold. BYU still worthy of a single-digit at-large NCAAC. Buy. Uh, Lenardi has BYU as a 10, but it's just barely, and it's Sunday play-induced, at least as of last Tuesday. uh, Or, sorry, Friday. I think it's buy. What has BYU done to not deserve single-digit at this point? I think BYU is still in that area. And uh, is okay, but they're kind of sitting on the fence a little bit. If BYU goes four zero, they're they're single digit seats squarely. Yeah, I'm a hold on this until BYU wins at Pacific and at San Francisco. If BYU wins the next two road games, then I am definitely buying the Cougars as a single what digit about seed as, at this moment. No, I'm a hold. I'm a hold. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I think the ten is probably fair right now. So BYU, BYU has some work to do to get back into that single digit category. I'd rather be a ten than an eight or nine. I would rather be an 11 than an 8 or 9. Have a chance to play a 6 yes. and a 3. Yes. Hold off on the 1s and 2s until you absolutely have ones to play twos. them. 1s and 2s. Yeah, win that second round game. But I a know. 3, you can maybe take, right? Okay. Next. Buy, sell, or hold. Andy Reid having bacon on his celebratory cheeseburger. <laughs> oh, buy. This isn't a regular season win. This was to get to the Super Bowl. You were loading that baby up. The deluxe version of whatever cheeseburger he got. Absolutely buy. I'm holding because I think he would have said bacon cheeseburger. He just said cheeseburger. Maybe mm. he's not. Maybe he's just a mm. plain cheeseburger guy. Mm. He's pretty simple, straightforward. I think he would have said bacon if it were on it. So I'm holding on that. You think he got like some, like up in the mustache a little bit, just a little crumbles up in there? He should have had 54 <laughs> cheeseburgers, one for uh, each of the 54 Super Bowls for crying out loud. 54, really? <laughs> wow. Next. Spencer, does Andy Reid look like a guy who doesn't put bacon on his cheeseburger? <laughs> I didn't want to go there, Ben. I mean, I'm just saying the guy's got clean. You look, obviously, that's a cheeseburger connoisseur. Well, you got a double bacon double on at In and Out doesn't have bacon on, and that's still a hearty cheeseburger, Spice huh? The best cheeseburger around. Right. Okay. Last one, buy, sell, or hold. This year's footwear for BYU baseball. Ooh. One gajillion percent buy. This is 
glorious. These are some really, really dope cleats for BYU Baseball. They put them out. Oh! Oh, these are amazing. I love these. I am, I am stoked to see BYU Baseball in these. You got some royal blue. You got some navy. You got some all whites. Kind of a uh, slash through the middle, half white, half blue, all white on one. Some gray mixed in there. Woo! These are nice. Yeah, the uh, the gray ones are probably my favorite. I don't know how I feel about two tones. I got to see them with the uniforms. Typically, I'm like if BYU's in white and royal, I want to see all royal cleats. I don't know. I like the solidarity of that, so I, I like the gray ones. But I'm I'm kind of a hold. I, I got to see what they look like in full uniform before I'm all in on the buy. All right. Okay. Good for you. <laughs> that's that's great. <laughs> Hey, I trust my fashion sense, okay? The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Yeah, let's let's double check. I was told a certain time. Let's double check with the BYU hockey captain, Nixon Barber, who's in Studio B. What what time does the game start, Nixon? Nixon? 3.30 3.30 here, I believe that would be 5.30. Yeah, 3.30 local. A little, game, yeah, game definitely case. earlier. Kind of yeah. weird. Uh, we usually play at 7, so I'm not actually sure what happened this time. But okay. <laughs> we're glad we have a game. We're Absolutely. excited. Absolutely. <laughs> well, welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, what do you think of Jerem's uh, uniform selection? I, hey, beautiful selection. Numbers on point. Pick right? the greatest one out there. Are you 23 I am 23. Well? Yeah. <laughs> 23. <laughs> I chose it because of Michael and... Uh, the whole deal. Be, but now that I know that you're 23, I feel You can say you chose valid. it for Nixon Barber. For Nixon Barber, yeah. Of yeah. Course. <laughs> Let's talk about your name. That's a fantastic name. Uh, you know, someone called you Dalton in here. That's yeah, just a natural thing, right? <laughs> of course, yeah. You know, yeah. I, I get called all sorts of things occasionally. Someone says Dixon. I don't know why Dixon comes. It just like, kind of merges. Just, people hear that as a last name a yeah, lot. Yeah. I guess I kind of have two last names, and that's confusing to people. True, so. true. But I like Nixon. It's unique. I appreciate it. I'm grateful to my parents for it. No political reason for it. It was just, I thought it was a cool name. So, <laughs> How did you get into BYU hockey? Uh, I wanted to come to BYU. Uh, it's close to home. I'm from Park City. I like skiing. I like the mountains. And I played hockey for a long time. I loved hockey. There's a team here. I knew uh, my sister dated a guy that played on the team once upon a time, just really briefly, and uh, talked to him a little bit. Came to a tryout or two, and here I am playing BYU hockey, so it's a good time. And you're, you're not just a player, you're the captain. I'm so the captain right what's now, What's it yes. like to captain the BYU hockey team? It's unique in the sense that I, I captained a team in high school. I've played for a bunch of teams. I mean, I've been playing since I was four, and of all the teams I've played on, I have not found a locker room with this sense of brotherhood, not in the same way that kind of BYU has. And it's really unique that, I mean, I would say we're – Probably not the most talented team out there, but everyone has such a sense of unity and brotherhood that they're willing to do whatever it takes for the guy next to them to be able to achieve something great or something better. That we're a team that continually is looking to improve because we care about the guy next to us and because we want everyone to achieve, not just someone's going to make sacrifice play so that someone else can look good. It's not about any of that personal glory. And that's really unique. You don't find that a lot, especially in a game like hockey where you see a lot of all-stars in you know, the NHL and those places, and everybody wants to go end-to-end. Everybody wants to score cool goals and to find guys that are willing to sacrifice and make the team play. It's super unique, and the way that we have it here at BYU, it's incredible. It's unique and special. 
BYU hockey had a memorable season one year ago, oh, to Harry, say the least. Oh, good, yeah. It, it was incredible. You guys it, made this was, awesome run in regionals and won the league and stuff, right? The Super Bowl, yeah, won yeah. the Mountain West Conference. Yeah. Was, yes. Uh, that was a big deal, beating Utah State. Huge been deal, a power yeah. Weaver State. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Utah State's been going to nationals yeah, every couple of years, pretty frequently, pretty regularly. They've been kind of a powerhouse in the West, and we beat them uh, on in Logan for the Mountain West Conference. and. Ooh. Probably the coolest win of my hockey career. I mean, you talk about going to playing in Logan is those people they're crazy. Like oh, we the know. fans, those hockey fans <laughs> up there are wild. And it's loud and then you shut them out and you win a game up there for that trophy and it's dead silent except for you can hear the little cougar section right behind our uh, our away <laughs> bench and that's awesome. It was super cool to go up there and win a trophy. Hold it up high, and it was something special. It was cool. Nixon Barber, BYU hockey captain with us on BYU Sports Nation. How did what happened last year shape your goals and expectations for this season? It definitely raised our expectations. BYU hockey's been on a gradual incline for a little while now. I struggled a lot uh, in the past, but over the past five years, I'd say it's been each season is a little bit better than the last. And so when we we won, you know, the Wasatch Cup, the Mountain West Conference. We were just a game shy of going to nationals. That when we came into the season, we realized, like, oh, these things are, they're achievable, they're possible. We've been there, and we know that we can go further. And so when we sat down and we talked about goals, about where we want this team to go, we knew that we had uh, these high expectations, but we had faith to go with it. We we knew that like it's possible if we put in the work, if we do the things that we need to, like we've been there, we can get there again, we can go further. How's this season going so far? The season's been interesting. We ended up with quite a few new guys on the team at the start of the year. Uh, we had a couple of just various circumstances. Guys couldn't come back from last season. And the start was a little bit slower than I think we'd have wanted, but it's been unique. And again, something that makes us incredible is that sense of brotherhood that those new guys, they bought in and they've worked really hard. So even the start was really slow. We've hit a lot of speed, a lot of momentum. We beat Weber State just before the Christmas break. They're ranked number three in the West. And we're going into an important section of the season where we're going to play in the Wasatch Cup. We're going to play in the Mountain West Conference Championship. And in the Mountain West Conference, uh, we've got, I think, four of the top ten teams. At all one, two, and three are in all the West? The conference. Yeah, in the West. Wow. So we're gonna, we have a chance to play and beat one, two, and three in that Mountain West Conference Championship. Uh, by the way, Jerem's dropping the puck. Any final words of any, advice? Any advice for me today? Just, I mean, the, the drop is not the hard part. You're going to have to walk on ice. That's, that's I don't know the if part you've done I'm nervous that about. <laughs> Getting <laughs> out there. It is slick. Yeah. People, people have this, you know, miss, uh, this, this bad idea about ice. that They yeah. see ice skaters out there. They uh, think, oh, no, it's no, not no. that bad. There's no, traction no, no. of some I sort. There's, I'll issues. use my six-year-old daughter who's going to go out with me. Lean as, on her, yeah. yeah. I'll lean on her so if we fall, yeah. Use her as a prop. Yeah, just uh, just keep your your weight centered right above your your shoes. Bend my knees, just yep. okay. real slow. Okay. Get that awesome. that nice easy drop. Okay. Nixon, let's Thank give you some karma it. for tonight. Uh, great to have you on the show, man. Hey, thanks for letting me uh, come on. It's been fun. You got <laughs> let's it. Let's have him sign the flag. Absolutely, we need sign a, the flag on your copy, way out. Oh, Capitan's flag here. Let's you go. Look, cool, cool. You look I, like you have gifts. Also, are those yeah, for us? Yeah, those are. I have a sweatshirt for each of you and oh. for your daughter as well. Oh, thank you. Oh, hey, snap. That's yay. next you guys, level. That's you guys awesome. can come to the rink, and this is a little more practical. The jersey's nice. It looks yes. good, but it's not as warm, you know. Yes. As hockey players, we, oh, we get pretty that's warm. That's next level. So these will keep you warm. As you can get. Beautiful. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Nixon Barber. Nixon Barber. Fantastic. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday.
Now joining us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline is Cam Miller, a pro football focus. In case you missed it this week, we've been talking a lot about some of the articles and lists being put out by Cam and others. And Cam, it's great to have you on BYU Sports Nation. I appreciate you having me on. Appreciate uh, getting the getting the love out there. But you know, I one of those things I like to say is I, I like to make sure that everybody who deserves recognition gets out there. So the guys on the list from BYU, from even out west that the East Coast doesn't normally love, I, I you know I love being able to get the the light out there for you guys. And we appreciate it. And we appreciate football in January. We want to talk football every day. So this is fantastic. <laughs> Tell us what went into your top 101 list, because what I really appreciate and, and what we like as a staff is, okay, there are people giving individual grades. It's, we're not just seeing the box scores. We're not just seeing these kind of regular, normal surface level statistics. We're seeing uh, higher advanced metrics in this. So what went into that? Yeah, you know, I first did you know, looked at how many players played X amount of snaps to kind of qualify to make sure, you know, somebody wasn't getting a high grade and not really playing a whole bunch. So that was the first step. And then after that, you know, you look at the, the our full season grade. Um, and then I took it a step further. Instead of that, you know, I, I wanted to make sure that somebody wasn't getting the benefit of the doubt of playing a really lackluster schedule. So I looked and I saw where those high grades were coming from, from all these players, kind of spread it across the positions. You know, if there was a great quarterback that was getting great grades, but against Wofford, you know, he went down a few spots and, and then vice versa. If there was great grades against better teams on defense, on offense, that's kind of where it did. So, you know, I, I moved some things around and, and went heavily with our grades, but the ability to, you know, grade positively against top-notch teams and avoid negatively graded plays against those top teams as well is kind of how I got to that final list. The two BYU Cougars that made your list for 2019, safety Austin Lee coming in at number 86, and then you had Brady Christensen, the offensive lineman, coming in at number 95. What are your specific thoughts on those two players and the seasons that they had in 2019? Yeah, I just love the way that Lee was able to play on the back end. I think, you know, when you hear a safety's name a lot, it's probably not for the best reasons. There, There's not a lot that can go right at the safety position, so when you're you know, only targeted X amount of times or a few amount of times as the safety is, for him to make the amount of plays that he made on the ball, kind of free roaming and made, making plays on, ball, on the balls that you know, weren't even in his coverage. That's just, it spoke to how well he roamed the field. You know, didn't miss a lot of tackles as well. And I just think that, that overall play, you didn't hear his name a lot, but that was a good thing. You didn't want to hear his name a lot. And then Brady, on the other side, I mean, this guy just does it all. I found out in talking about him uh, and getting him on this list as well that he played outfield in high school. So the dude's just athletic. You cue the tape and you just watch for a big man how, how fluid he moves through everything. So I'm a huge fan of Brady. I think he definitely uh, is deserving of that spot, not giving up pressure, paving the way in the run game. I think you know he's pivotal uh, to that tackle spot. You said he played outfield in high school in baseball? Yeah, yeah. I was told that from a, from a high school wow. teammate. He found me on Twitter and told me that he played outfield in high school. So, yeah, cue the tape and just what check out how, how athletic that dude is. Yeah. yeah, he feels like a tight end who has become a tackle, and sometimes those are the best tackles because they can move a little bit, right? Yeah, I definitely – I mean, athleticism, especially at the college level, um, and even more so at the NFL, but especially there when you have some of these freaky, you know, twitchy, high-twitchy athletes on the edge that, you know, can move much faster than, than their height and, and weight at the age of 18, 19 years old. you got to be athletic out there. Is this the thing um, that you're tracking in terms of these grades during the season and evaluating as well, or is this a postseason uh, post uh, analysis? Because when we saw Austin Lee on this this list, we thought Austin was a good player, but we didn't think he was top 100 in college football. Yeah, so it's uh, we we grade every game, uh, every player on every play of every game. In fact, um, and we do it live as as live as we can. Some of those weeks are pretty tough. Uh, week one, you know, when every FBS team was playing an FCS team, those are a little bit more taxing when there's 95 games. But, 
yeah, we're pretty uh, pretty live on Saturdays and then into Sundays as well. We have a team of uh, over 500 part-time analysts and then a team of you know 75 senior and full-time analysts that are on staff year-round. So they get graded on a game basis after, as the game's happening, uh, and then it, that, those accumulate to a uh, season-long grade. And Cam, it, it, BYU was close to having two offensive linemen on the list. I, I know you're high on James Impey, but he's one of those guys that just kind of barely missed the cut. Is that right? Yeah, so he just missed the cut. What we had, you know, he was one of the higher graded centers in all of college football last season. So if I would have done this before the year, I would have said he would have made the list at the tail end. I think what happened is he was a uh, he struggled against that opening slate of the games. I mean, uh, it's it's the hardest opening stretch of his of the schedule from last year. Those first four, uh, and then after that, I mean, he didn't have a, a very good start. But after that, I mean, well above average, couple of elite games uh, down the back end of the of the season. So he he was kind of climbing back into that. And it was one of those moments where he was almost on there. Only one center made the list this year because it was just, you know, that center play was good, not great this year across the nation. You had James Empey as the 10th best offensive lineman returning in 2020. And then uh, Brady Christensen as the 20th best offensive lineman. So two in the top 20 for BYU. Um, these, and that's what I love about what you guys do is this gives us different analysis and especially of linemen, right? So what went into the decision and the grading, I guess, on those two to say, hey, two of the top 20 are from BYU? Yeah, just, it, you know, it speaks to how high they graded among, among their peers. You know, those, it, James is a, is a top returning center, didn't quite make the 101 because of, you know, tight, their tackles are a little bit more valuable to an offense you got to be able to stop that pressure on the outside and be able to run block from the tackle. So that's kind of where Brady made the list, much higher graded. But James, you know, definitely he, he was worth more wins and worth, uh, you know, more than the average center, more than any, anybody else, I think, than Matt Hennessy uh, at Temple this season. So for him to be on that list of top, in, in the top ten of returning guys uh, it speaks to how, how highly, you know, he should grade and how highly uh, valuable he is to the BYU offense next year. Tied in Matt Bushman and defensive lineman Kyrus Tonga are both players who are expected to play in the NFL. A lot of us thought that would happen this year. Both decided to come back for their senior seasons. What are your thoughts on both of those players in terms of rankings or just, just by, by watching them uh, with your own eyes? I really, really like Bushman. I like to save hands. I think maybe this year was a little bit of a step back in that, uh, in that regard as well. I think just across the field. Uh, was a little bit of a step back for him. I like his versatility. He's always had great grades and pass protection from us as well. So I think that's one of the things that that kind of you know gives him that next level advantage. If if he's in this sort of we've seen the 49ers kind of use their George Kittle uh, as a pass protector, uh, not quite as much because he's way too athletic. But if if you know you're going to see these recipes for the NFL, you got to be able to do all three at the tight end position. And I think Bushman has that. And then Tonga on the other side of the ball, if he can just sort of improve a pass rush, I think if he becomes that sort of you know, beefy guy at the middle that also has some pass rush moves because he's been elite against the run, elite in his tackling. Only We only have him uh, charted with two missed tackles last year, which is very impressive wow. considering, you know, the size of a guy in the middle and the, and the short running backs that he normally have to be tasked with tackling. So just uh, improvement in the passing, pass rushing game, I think, for Tonga. Uh, we're talking about, uh, you know, pretty high day two, even maybe sneaking into the day one if he gets those sack totals that everybody likes to see. Yeah, we know his, uh, the high end is really high, so we're excited to see what he can do in his senior season. We're talking with Cam Miller from Pro Football Focus. Is there any BYU player that you think could perhaps uh, come into any of these lists in the upcoming season? Well, I definitely think if we're going to say, uh, you know, somebody's going to stay on there, it'd, it'd be Brady Christensen. But, I mean, I've, I've been a uh, – if you've ever seen me on Twitter, I think outside of Provo, maybe even outside of Utah, maybe not even, but maybe, maybe outside of Provo, uh, probably the highest on Zach Wilson across the country. I love the way he plays football. 
I was very, you know, obviously everybody was a little disappointed in the way the season unfolded, but for him to, to finish strong like he did in our our grades, I really would expect Zach to kind of bounce back and have a full healthy season uh, and then get on this top 101 list next year. What stuck out to you about his performance? Because uh, we've kind of broken down what he did in the games that we perceived mattered the most. Um, and hoping that he can be a little more successful that way. Obviously, the thumb injury affects his wrist and how the ball comes out when he comes back and plays against good teams like San Diego State and, and Hawaii. But what stuck out to you? I think what it was, I think, is you had to, you had to move past the uh, the box score for him this year. You actually had to go back and watch some of these throws because some of I, I charted them and there were six interceptions that he threw that were not his fault. There were multiple moments that they went right through the receiver's hands into the defensive back's hands. There was one against Washington where the receiver just running an out route falls down and the, and the ball would have been perfectly placed, but instead goes to the defensive back. So looking past that and realizing that not all of those mistakes that the general box score fam, we call them, likes to see in, in, the, in the box score and see how many interceptions he threw, you look past that and realistically it only should have been three maybe that were absolutely his fault, which is a great number. Uh, for his season. So I think that, I think there's down for down accuracy. If you go back to the bowl game against Western Michigan, that I've, obviously everybody knows the down for down accuracy that he has on uh, the arm strength to hit all levels of the field. I just really love the way that he plays the game. When you look at whether it's the players that we're talking about on the 2019 list, guys that possibly be on the 2020 list, in your opinion, who do you think is BYU's best chance? Maybe that, maybe it's a couple guys, BYU's best chance to be playing in the NFL next season or in the next two years. I'd say Brady Christensen. I think just the way that he moves, that athleticism, he's improved his grades even from year before uh, dramatically to this season, which year before was great. This year was even better. So if he keeps that rise, I think we've seen how important tackles are at the NFL level, especially athletic ones. And so if you're, if you're, if the bucks are out there paying 60, 40, whatever million they paid Donovan Smith, then Brady Christensen has got to get a look because you know, that position of left tackle is so valuable at the NFL level. And so there's such a gap in terms of the top tier to maybe playable NFL starters. And then the next tier, and I think Brady is already in that, that level of playable NFL starters. So I think Brady, Brady Christensen probably has the best chance, and if not the best chance, the chance to be highest drafted as well. Absolutely high praise for Brady Christensen, Zach Wilson, and others. Well, Cam, this was very insightful. I imagine at some point in the future we'll reach out to you again. This was fantastic. We appreciate a, a few minutes to break down the BYU Cougars. I'm always around. Thanks for having me. I do appreciate it. Okay, thanks, Cam. Cam Miller on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why. We show how from Pro Football Focus. That was as informative was as fantastic. anything I heard from August to now about BYU players. I mean, that was amazing. And the commentary on Zach Wilson, only three of his interceptions were on him. Right. That's enlightening. And that's what I love about Pro Football Focus. They break it down at the granular level that's not the surface level, that's not the water cooler. He, and we learned a lot right there. Cam knew about BYU football. That's what made that impressive. Yes. Yes. He loved said it. said the names correctly. <laughs> as soon as a dude says, yeah. you know, Taysom Hill, it's like, see ya. Yeah. <laughs> The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Okay, let's talk about some of this with A.J. Stewart, the BYU running backs coach. We'll get to that, but not before... What he brought up, okay? Let's revisit the tweet. He said, I love recruiting Houston, Texas. He's in Texas. Many great players and coaches. I've been blessed to create some great bonds over the years. Oh, and 
Whataburger or Whataburger, whatever you want to call it, for lunch isn't bad either. Hashtag built, not born. So we started Burger Wars and we opened the conversation earlier this morning with A.J. Stewart on those Burger Wars. Coach, you made it clear on Twitter that uh, you love some Whataburger as you've been recruiting in Houston. So uh, what say you about Whataburger versus everything else, especially your wide receivers coach friend Fessy Satake and his retort towards you? Um, I, I mean, honestly, I'm, I, I tell him all the, all the time that I'm I'm unbiased. I'm from St. Louis, so I'm I'm not even from the West Coast or from Texas, and so I can really, I think I have a valid argument and, and a valid uh, or a valid uh, stance in the argument that I think Whataburgers is not even close. I mean, I've had both plenty of times, you know, in and out and Whataburger and, and other places. And I just I don't think there's anything close when it comes to uh, what they what they have on their menu overall, but just their just a bar none their burger compared to anybody else I don't think it's close. <laughs> I love the conversation. It's our question of the day. We're having great traction on this. This is awesome. I'm actually a Five Guys uh, burger guy. I love Five Guys. Spencer's. Yeah. I've never had yeah. Whataburger. Believe it, not, yeah. believe it or not. So Go I, to I Texas, need to, you'll I need get to it. try Whataburger. Yeah, you'll get it. Yeah. So here, here's here's the deal. This is why people don't think it's great. And I said the same thing the first time I had it. You can't just go to Whataburger and just get a just a, just a regular Whataburger, just the normal burger. You have to get go and get something off their all time uh, menu. And I I would uh, refer you. To, well, I refer as when people ask me, get the A one thick and hearty burger or you get the patty melt. Okay. You you have either one of those. And then you think In and Out is better? Then I'll, I'll I'll just say, all right, hey, we'll we'll agree to disagree. But I, <laughs> it'd be hard for me to believe if you had any one of those burgers that you would you would you would be able to say that is it's not as good as any other burger you've ever eaten in your life. Okay, I, I love Five Guys. I will take your recommendation: the A one thick and hearty or the patty melt at it's, Whataburger. It's a little early for a burger, but it won't be after the show. So that's the goodness. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we've been breaking down the running backs uh, on the show today. And once a week, we're talking about position groups. Running back's interesting because uh, Tyson Williams and Emmanuel Super are out, but everyone else is back. There are lots of question marks there, uh, lots of talent, some young guys. So what do you think of the group returning for 2020? I love our group. I mean, the main thing I love about our group is just the, the type of character we have in our group, number one, just the work ethic that we have. These guys, I mean, they're, they're as hard of, hard of a working group that I've ever I've ever been a part of. And um just doing kind of some self scout of our running backs this off season. I thought we played as physical as we have have played since I've been here, you know, at BYU, and that's kind of been a challenge, you know, the last two seasons to to develop more physicality as a group um, with the way we finish our runs, the way that we block, just the way that we play the game overall, and um, a, a little of that is can be attributed to them getting bigger and, and stronger. Um, but I think that's really been like an, a mentality thing that we were able to break through this season and, and really see it. We had a lot of physical finishes uh, to, to runs and, and really made a statement at different times this season. And so I'm just looking forward to that more so than anything. Uh, the guys are talented. They're still developing. You know, we don't have any, no, we won't even have a senior, you know, next year. And so guys are still growing up and, and coming into their own as, as division one running backs. But the thing that I know, will give us uh, success day one uh, right out the gate is just the guys are they're going to work hard and they're they're going to prepare themselves to be successful 
Um, and, and you can live with that as a coach. Yeah, BYU football running backs coach AJ Stewart with us on BYU Sports Nation. He's also a proponent of Whataburger. Coach, um, moving towards spring football, what does your running backs depth chart look like right now? Um, I'm I'm not a depth chart guy, to be honest with you. Like, especially going into spring, I think this is a time where we kind of formulate our ideas of who who who's going to be our guy that's going to stand out. Um, but the, and the reason why I say I'm not a huge depth chart guy is you've seen the last two years that we're, we've counted on every single person in our group to to lead the way at times as well as contribute, you know, to a in, in, to a significant role, you know, in, on Saturdays. And so um, everybody in our room is going to be prepared to be the starting running back. They're going to be prepared to to carry the load if they need to. And and I think history's shown as least since. Uh, we've been here at BYU is is that everybody has to be prepared in that way and so I don't I don't really like coaching those guys to to think hey let me just work to be a starting running back I just want them to all be prepared to answer the call when when their numbers call you know during the season and there's a there's a high likelihood that each one will have that opportunity at some point. Sione Fino and Lopini Katoa, Jackson McChesney, all back. Bruce Garrett enters the fray as well. Uh, is there a need for a JUCO or, or grad transfer running back or running backs in this group? Well, it's kind of like we were we were talking about going into last year. I think we during this time, if we can recruit, we're going to recruit, and we're going to you know we'll we'll cover our bases and on all. Uh, recruitable players, and if we find a guy that we think is a difference maker, then we'll, and we have a number for them. We, you know, we have a spot for them. Then we'll we'll always take the best available players, and so um, we'll always, you know, we won't leave any stone unturned, so to speak, in recruiting. And and I think that's what you have to do um, at, at any program. If you have a number, you want to try to fill that number with the best available player, and that's kind of what we did last year. With Tyson was was available, you know, and and to me, he was the best grad transfer running back you know in in last year's class and so uh, we had a spot and, and we we went after him and, and so um that'll be that'll, that'll always kind of be the case in recruiting you know we'll, we'll keep recruiting guys until um they either go elsewhere <clears throat> excuse me or you know we just don't have a spot to fill uh for for those guys then there's the curious case of tyler algier what does his future hold within byu football I think he has a bright future. I think we saw a glimpse um, in the bowl game. I mean, he's he's still. I mean, he redshirt freshman this year, and you know, went back and forth and played multiple positions, played special teams, and I mean, he's he. It's it's kind of scary, you know, with the, the ceiling that he has. Um, I don't think we've seen the best version of Tyler Algier yet up to this point, and uh, he's just going to continue to get bigger and stronger and faster and understand our offense a little bit more and so I, I, I was really encouraged after what you know watching him play in the, in the bowl game I think he grew up that day um, so to speak especially in the run game but he did some really physical things in the past uh, past game as well um, in the blocking game so I'm, I'm very excited and he's another guy that fits you know what I was you know alluding to earlier just the work ethic that he puts in every day I mean if you see this guy practice there's no there's no uh, surprise that he's had you know, the, the early success that he's had. I mean, he's he's going to give you everything he has every day, and so that's why I'm so high on him, and, and I know he, he'll have a bright future. Two questions to finish. One, is Tyler Algier a running back, or will he still be with the linebackers? And two, what's the future with Jackson McChesney? Uh, I, I believe both of those guys are running backs. They're, uh, I think they've proven that, you know, up to this point. Uh, Jackson, we saw a glimpse, mostly uh, UMass game. 
he did a really good job, stepped into that the role that he had um, that game. Uh, we had some injuries, and he was, you know, he was able to play within those the four uh, games a redshirt can play. And so he he stepped in, and he played Idaho State game as well. Actually, um, learned learned some tough lessons that game. Didn't play as well as he wanted to, and got those things corrected. Play well against UMass, and so um, he's. I mean, he just got off of his mission in June, and so we didn't really have high hopes of him playing. You know. Uh, his, his true freshman year last year, he played a little bit out of necessity, but he's he's. It's going to be scary to see what he develops into as well with the full year of um, off-season workouts, getting his feet under him, and and really getting his legs back. And so I'm I'm really excited. I love what he brings to our room, Jackson. Um, great young man, works his butt off every day. You can coach him up hard, and so. The sky for both of those guys, they're two young guys that the sky is going to be a limit for them, and you'll you'll continue to see them develop into really really good football players uh, throughout the next couple to you know two to three years. AJ, we know you're busy on the recruiting trail, so let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma to go about your business out there and uh, have a patty melt for right. us, man. Hey, you don't have to tell me that. I'll get it. I'll get that done. I promise. You. <laughs> All right, thanks, AJ. All right, have a good one. A.J. Stewart on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why, we show how. During that interview, I bought spicy ketchup from Whataburger online. Legitimately, you bought spicy ketchup. It's coming to my house. Three-pack. I remember eating it, and it was good. Patrick Holmes loves it, so I'm convinced. Let's go. (laughs) The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week. Here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. On May 30th, Yoli Childs had a press conference announcing his return to BYU. In it, he said the following. They bring a belief that the impossible can happen and that something special can happen, and I'm, I'm bought into that. You know, I'm 100% in that something special is going to happen this year and we're going to make it happen. This on the heels of four years in a row of not making the NCAA tournament. Here we sit 239 days later. BYU's 15-6 and six overall, 4-2 and two in league, 21 in Ken Palm, 28 in net, 10 seed in the Lenardi's bracket, which those don't add up, by the way. Uh, was Childs right? Is something special happening? Yes, clearly. This is BYU's best basketball team since Jimmer Fredette donned a Brigham Young University jersey. This is BYU's best basketball team since 2011. Something special is happening and will continue to happen I love the team, the coach, the intensity, the energy. Yoli Childs was right. He called it. Yeah, he, he bought in, and yes, it has been executed that way. And BYU has done it with having Yoli Childs in eight games of the 21 that they have played, which makes it even more special. Yeah, clearly. I, I can't emphasize enough. Yes, this is already a special season. Now, BYU, we feel strongly, is going to be in the NCAA tournament. Have expectations shifted now that to make this a special season, BYU needs to win a game in the NCAA tournament or is just getting there special enough? It's funny how that changes from day to day. It should. Because we were all in on the just be in the conversation. Uh, BYU is clearly in the conversation, so much so that there are – six other teams behind them that are still getting into the tournament, according to Joe Lunardi. 
it's special, but how special can it become? Is it special enough that BYU could climb up to a 7 or an 8 seed, win a game in the NCAA tournament, maybe beat Gonzaga in Provo, do the, unthinkable, the, thing you just said. do the unthinkable and run the table on the WCC and, and finish with two conference losses? Jonathan Tavernari's convinced. You're JT drunk. He's convinced. Careful I'm there. not buying that. Careful there. Okay. I'm not buying that. Okay. Renting it, though? No. Okay. No, but I'm willing to discuss why he thinks that. I'm willing to discuss anything. It's special. How special can it become? Yeah, it's special. It's and and it's it is special. It's also relatively special. If BYU had made the NCAA tournament two of the last four years or something, this would be kind of the status quo. Yeah, BYU is a ten. They're in. It wouldn't be anything wild. It's more special because BYU has not been in the tourney the last four years. BYU does need to validate it though. BYU is only seven in. I'm a little surprised that BYU is not clear of that in Lenardi's. Given who BYU's beaten and what they've done, I'm a little surprised. I think BYU is being undervalued as a 10 seed. Maybe by Joe Lenardi, but I think the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee probably feels differently, Jeremy. Lenardi is pretty tied into what they do. In fact, he's the number one bracketologist, so when he says something, it's pretty credible versus all the other brackets. We're going to talk to one of the most credible guys as well, Andy Katz. I would put Katz and Lenardi in a very similar category right? I do think it is special. It's special because BYU hasn't been in it, because they're playing well, they've had some nice wins, they've had a buzzer beater over Houston, they pounded Utah State. There, was, there have been some disappointing losses, but here we go. And, and something happened today, after last night, uh, that is pretty special as well, which is our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. BYU's Ken Palm ranking is 21. That's the highest since January 19th, 2012. A year after his Jimmerness, right? So, eight years in the making, that's what. But BYU's 21 Kimbom, but a 10 seed. Those don't equate. Um, KPIs, BYU's always the lowest in it. BYU's 38 in strength of record. But look look at this. BYU's top 28 in, in net, which is the sorting tool, the number one metric. Ken Palm, BPI, top 28. I would like to see BYU more like a 7 seed when the dust settles. If BYU gets to the tourney and they bow out, we're going to be happy they made it. Right, but this is a team that could win in the tourney. This yes. is a team that could make a run. They this have all BYU the pieces. basketball team is better than the teams that featured Tyler Hawes, Kyle Collinsworth, and Chase Fisher all at the same time. Yeah, how, that's crazy, right? Well, All-time leading scorer, well, Mr. Triple Double, well, one of the have, greatest three-point shooters that they've ever had. Yeah, you have T.J. Haas, and you have Jake Tools, and you have Yoli Childs. You have, and you have better other pieces around them than those teams had. I think it is a special time for BYU basketball. ESPN ranked two of BYU's games in the 2019 college football season as top 100 games. USC at BYU, number 93, and BYU at Tennessee, number 92. Join with us, won't you, BYU Sports Nation, in a live poll by going to vote.byutv.org and answering the following question. What was the best Game of the 2019 BYU football season. Not win, per se, best game. Jeremy, what do you got? Why would we pick a loss? Uh, it's, the home, it's the home game of USC. Coming off the Tennessee win, BYU plays in front of a big crowd on ABC. Afternoon game, USC is ranked. Skycam! Overtime again. BYU dropped eight most of the game, plus three. Those interceptions, great catch by Dax Milne. For the touchdown, everyone's like, who's Dax Milne? Now you know who he is. Zach Wilson's best win at BYU, in my opinion, against USC as well. A ranked win, a team that beat Utah later, yeah. A field storm, 
At Cougar Stats, USC had four ties and three lead changes. No one led by more than seven points. It didn't have the extended periods of offensive ineptitude the Tennessee game had. I think it's down to the two that ESPN identified in Tennessee and USC. I could see the argument for Boise State, although it's really wet uh, in that one. The fan experience was lesser oh, in yeah. person. It wasn't but as exciting. It was, it was USC to me. That was just incredible. The excitement factor plays into how ESPN ranks these, and I'm with ESPN. I'm going Tennessee one spot above USC. The Rocky Top Revival. Yes, there it was, was religious? anemic offense for a lot of the game, but how that game finished was absolutely bonkers. Wilson to Simon. Insane finish in regulation. Oldroyd makes the field goal after Wilson finds Simon for the 64-yard miracle down the sideline. Not one overtime, two overtimes. Tyson Williams and the entire BYU offensive line (laughs) walk it off in front of 93,000 fans. Amazing road win. BYU's first road win in the Eastern time zone against a team that finished with a winning record in 25 years it is Tennessee. Vote.byutv.org to tell us what you think in our live poll. What, what are the numbers right now, guys? <laughs> it's a good question. I think we should just go vote, right? So it's Ooh, pretty it's even. neck and neck. It's, it's pretty it's even. It's neck and neck. Well, now it's not. USC's okay. blowing it up. At Tennessee, the, the road yeah. win factor for me just inches out over USC just because BYU doesn't beat good teams on the road in the Eastern Time Zone. It doesn't happen in how they did it. Yeah. It was a miracle. No one voted for Toledo in this. Really weird. <laughs> We're South Florida. BYU lost by 23 at Gonzaga. This just in. Yolik Childs warmed up with his uh, right compound dislocated finger 10 days later, going out 20 minutes before everyone else and trying to put the fear of God, or the fear of Yolik Childs in this case, into the Gonzaga student section, but he didn't play. So let's ask this question. Is BYU basketball a Yoli Childs away from competing with Gonzaga, or is there more to it? There's more to it, like where the game is played, when the game is played, and who is playing. Yoli Childs is a big part of that, but... Add Yoli Childs to playing at the Marriott Center in late February, then we're talking. Okay, then I think BYU has a real chance to kind of put Gonzaga on their collective heels. So it's more than just Yoli Childs playing, it's where and when the game happens as well. And the ESPN commentators, a bunch of BYU fans after the game, all saying the same thing. Wait until Yoli Childs is healthy, back with BYU in a packed Marriott Center in late February, and Gonzaga is not playing in the comforts of the kennel where they've won 33 games in a row in conference. Uh, it's crazy. Last loss to BYU, I take it's it, right? It's crazy what they're doing in the kennel. Oh, so, St. Mary's maybe. Location, timing, and Yoli Childs being healthy and back, all of those factor into BYU being able to compete with and just maybe beat Gonzaga. And guess what? ESPN's basketball power index isn't, you know, naive to all of this. BYU's going to have a way better chance to win at home right. than they are without Yoli Childs in the kennel. Can a computer be naive? We'll discuss in the upcoming segment. Um, no, it's, there's way more to it. The biggest issue is that Gonzaga's freaking awesome. Oh, yes. That's the biggest issue. They're the number one team in the country. Can BYU compete against Gonzaga? Yes. Can BYU beat Gonzaga at home? It'd be legendary. It'd be another win over, you'd think, the top team in the country. I bet they'll be number one. Who's going to beat them? Who's going to beat them? Yeah, BYU's Mary's beaten maybe? Gonzaga as a top three team twice on the road. They have not yes. done it in Provo. Well, it, and 
and three wins in Spokane. BYU's been better in Spokane. So to me, it's not necessarily where the game is played. It's just that Gonzaga is awesome. I, I think with the uh, packed Marriott Center behind him that BYU could compete. What does compete mean? I don't know. Single digits? It's about winning or not. And uh, BYU didn't drop a lot, by the way, with this loss. I think Cougar Nation understands the great position BYU's in. I think BYU dropped, what, less than five spots in most of the metrics after that loss? In fact, playing that game is a benefit. BYU played another quad one, uh, gets that on the res. That all helps. So it's all good. It's, it's more than Yoli Childs, though, because Gonzaga has seven dudes that average nine-plus points. They've got four like, future NBA guys on the roster right now. They're good. Right four. now. You think four? Wow. Four, okay. yes. Awesome. <laughs> good for them. They're, they are Who are the four? Loaded. Killian Tilly. Petrushev, uh, Petrushev, sorry, and I think Corey Kispert has a chance to make an NBA roster. He kind of mm. reminds me of a Wally Zerbiak type player. Mm. Okay, it is twenty twenty though. It's not ninety eight anymore. Okay, and then quick uh, <laughs> point guard BYU couldn't stay in front of on Saturday night. Woolridge, uh, Woolridge, Gilder. thank you. I think yeah. Woolridge has a shot to play in the NBA as well. Mm. Okay, <laughs> they're they are an NBA breeding ground. They have been for the past five years. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable, but. They're not prone to lose a game, especially in a they, raucous arena. And they clinched at least a share of the title, by the way, Saturday. No one's talking about that? They're not going to lose twice. <laughs> They're two games up on everybody. They are not losing twice. Maybe once. Okay. So not technically, but, yeah, it feels like they've no, clinched No, technically. The <laughs> They're not going to lose twice. Pro Football Focus lists two Cougars in its top 100 players of college football in 2019. Austin Lee at 86. Wow. Whoa. Brady Christensen at 95 with the rest of the top 50 uh, out today and tomorrow. Uh, 50 through 26 out. No BYU Cougars on it. We'll see in the top 25. Spencer, do you expect more than three Cougars on this list? So at least one more. Yes, I expect James Empey to be there because we learned that James Empey was the number 10 overall offensive lineman, according to Pro Football Focus. Returning. So there could have been <coughs> some draft guys or early entry guys, right? It's true. Do you expect I, him to be in the top 25 players in college yeah, football list? Yeah. I do too, which is pretty wild. Crazy, right? Like, if you would ask me this a couple of days ago, I would have said, uh, no. Like, James is good, but I don't say top 25 player in college football. I expect him to be on that list. I thought there was a chance that Matt Bushman might show up somewhere between 40 and 50, but that. He would have left had he probably been that good. I You're think. probably right. Yeah, had he, had he shown up on the top 50 list of pro football focus, then yeah, maybe the draft stock is so high that you and, can't deny it and you got to go. And this is this is one dude with all the gr- the player grades and whatnot. I take the player grades highly. I don't know exactly who's doing it and what, but I trust them more than just the naked eye of uh, the fan base or even my naked eye. Honestly, the pro football focus guys doing stuff, I go, okay, that has credibility ability with me. That's not just any random uh, third party giving stats about something. That's a legit organization doing legit things. Sure. If Brady Christensen is number 95 and he was number 20 on the best returning offensive lineman list, logical. Yeah. Then it would make sense that James Empey, who is number 10, will show up somewhere in that top 25. No Bushman, but yeah, James Empey. BYU's going to have three guys returning or at least sorry, three guys on the best 101 college football players list in 2019. Underachieved. Seven and six with three? What? Uh, Austin Lee, I am, I knew, we knew he was a good player. I am shocked. He's number 86. That's awesome. And then when the grades are broken down and everything, you go, oh, wow, he really was good. Which brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Cam Miller will join us tomorrow. He's at PFF underscore Cam. Lee allowed 25 yards after the catch this season. That's all season. 
and no reception longer than 32 yards. He attached in the article online a gif of the Tennessee play at the end of the first half where Lee breaks up a pass in the end zone. That is supposed to be a touchdown. It is supposed to be a touchdown. Lee breaks it up. That saves the game. BYU probably loses that game. And maybe they're 6-6 in the regular or 5 and seven. That was a huge play. Austin Lee was way better than we thought. He played in the Shrine Bowl, which is the second-best postseason bowl to the Senior Bowl. He was, he was a really good player. He sits out the Hawaii game with a hamstring injury. I think if he plays that game, BYU wins it. Yes, because that cost Hawaii, BYU the game. Because Hawaii torched BYU deep. And Austin Lee was a big deal on the back end. So it's a bummer that Austin Lee's hamstring wasn't good enough for the Hawaii game because then BYU wins that, and they win eight. And we go, okay, cool, eight. I can, I can tolerate eight. We said it on the sideline. Instead, we, we're frustrated about it. We yeah. said it on the sideline in Honolulu. Austin Lee not playing in the game is a big deal against Hawaii's pass-heavy offense, and, and the it first proved half, to be that. Bang, 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 over the top. And then BYU had other injuries, right? The other guys. In that, first half. that was tough. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Longtime NCAA basketball insider, host of the March Madness 365 podcast, and our favorite former Fresno Bee reporter, Andy Katz of NCAA.com, joins us on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. Andy, nice to have you back on the show. I appreciate it, guys. BYU basketball beats Pacific last night. The Cougars enter at number 28 in the net rankings metrics. They're looking pretty good. How would you evaluate BYU's at-large NCAA tournament resume right now? Well, uh, a little sneak peek in a bracket that I have coming out this afternoon. Um, I have BYU. uh, Look here real quick. Um, I've got them as a 10 seed. Uh, in Tampa, playing Wichita State, uh, and that would be the Western bracket, which feeds into L.A. Um, you know, to me, their win over Houston on the road, it's not like what's the only thing that's getting them in, but it's certainly something that has tremendous shelf life for them and continues to get better and better. Because also that win came, as you know, uh, early in the season, no Yoli Childs, and obviously he's not played much at all right now. But it, it just um, – it, it symbolized, I think, that they've got a good team, uh, you know, with or without them. And I think that's a huge indicator uh, for the committee. Uh, you know, what they got to do, though, what BYU has to continue to do here in the WCC is – because this has been the problem in years past, I think we've talked about this – is they can't lose games below them uh, or too far below them. I mean, when I look at the WCC this season, really there's a top six and there's a bottom four. I kind of thought Pepperdine would be higher up. Uh, Pacific obviously has had a better season. But, you know, they can't be losing to San Diego, Portland, Loyola. Um, those are the ones for sure. Uh, ideally, they don't lose to anyone below them at all. But, uh, you know, they, they cannot afford to drop games like that. I mean, th- th- that's their margin of error. I mean, this win at Pacific, another true road win. That, that's a strong indicator because Pacific had just knocked off St. Mary's. And when you look at that margin like you talked about, if BYU does drop just one of those, are they now on the bubble? Is that what you're saying? Or would you have them out? Uh, it's all relative to the rest of the country. You know, I mean, um, 
the ACC teams are right right now. I've got two ACC teams actually playing uh, in Dayton. You know, that's so basically they could eat Virginia Tech and NC State. Those teams could easily play their way out, and maybe BYU slides down to that grouping, uh, which they've been before. But when I, you know, I look at their schedule here, um, you know, they, they've obviously got some dicey spots still to go through. You know, at USF, the back end of this uh, road trip, not going to be easy. They can be very pesky. Uh, and then, you know, that last game of the season at Pepperdine, because Pepperdine's underachieved, but they've got the talent. Uh, you know, that, that's going to be a strong indicator. The fact that, you know, they've already gone to St. Mary's, only lost by three, uh, you know, that's sort of out of the way. But you've got to beat St. Mary's at home. Um, you know, ideally, if you can knock up Gonzaga at home, then I think you're in, no question. But, you know, that, that, these other games are the ones that I don't think they can really afford to lose right now because their margin of error. I mean, it would have helped them if Utah State had a better season right now, but they're really struggling. Yeah. You know, it's still a good win at the time, but it's not as strong as it could have been. Andy Katz of NCAA.com with us on BYU Sports Nation. How much consideration do you think the tournament selection committee will give BYU knowing that Yoli Childs has only played eight of BYU's 21 games thus far? Well, I mean, they're not going to give him any, you know, uh, slack just because he missed those first nine when he was suspended. But then he was hurt. Um, I mean, they proved they could win without him with that win at Houston. Uh, you know, and, and losing to San Diego State, not a bad loss. Um, the Boise State one probably bites him a little. You know, a decent showing in Maui certainly helps him. You know, so the Virginia Tech win, by the way, as I just mentioned, Virginia Tech is in my bracket. So that helps him. That's another win against the field. Utah beating um, uh, last night. Washington, um, yeah. Washington, thank you. You know, that helps them. Utah already has wins over Kentucky and Oregon. So you got to cheer on the Utes. Not the norm for BYU, but you want the Utes <laughs> to play well. And I've got the Utes actually sort of right there on the other side. Um, you know, that win last night I think helps their case of being right there to potentially get in. Gonzaga clearly a number one seed type. How do you feel about St. Mary's at this point? So St. Mary's is going to be an interesting case. Um, you know, they played a much better schedule than they had in the past. Wisconsin really helps. When they beat Utah State, they were ranked. Um, you know, even though they're not as good, beating Cal, Arizona State, they'll get some Pac-12 bonus points, if you will, because their power ratings will be a little better. The Winthrop loss at home hurts them. Um, the Pacific four-overtime loss, I don't think that's disastrous. You know, the Santa Clara loss is a little bit of a, a black mark. Uh, you know, I have St. Mary's relative. I think in other years they'd be in serious trouble, but there aren't as many good teams. And so, you know, I've got St. Mary's in that same 10 line with BYU um, in the south. So, you know, both schools are right there sort of above that line of being in Dayton. So that means they could certainly move up or take on a little bit more water, and now you've moved into that second grouping where you're in the first four, lose again, and then you're out. Andy, do you think when all is said and done in March that the West Coast Conference will place three teams in the bracket for the first time since 2012? Yes. Um, and I think three are deserving. They certainly all can win games. Gonzaga can win it all. Uh, you know, they're helped by in the SEC uh, and to some extent the Big 12 being a little more down this year. But they're not – the Big Ten and the Big East are going to gobble up the highest percentage of bids. Uh, you also 
you know, it's all going to be relative. You're going to want San Diego State in the conference tournament because they're getting in because they're going to win the regular season. So, you know, they're definitely as a potential for a bid stealer in the Mountain West if San Diego State doesn't win it. So there are things like that that because it doesn't just happen in a vacuum for BYU or St. Mary's. It, it's all interconnected with the rest of the country. Who's the best player in the West Coast Conference right now, in your opinion? Um, oh, because I can't judge Yoli Child because he hasn't been healthier on the floor enough. You could just you know, say Yoli. I would say Andy. maybe. This is Sports Day. <laughs> I said you could just say Yoli Childs. This is BYU Sports Nation. <laughs> I, I would say this. I would say that Ford. Certainly in the conversation, Philip Petrusev and Corey Kispert from Gonzaga, uh, they have to be right there. Um, obviously, T.J. Haas has had an outstanding season. You know, so it, it's going to be one of those guys, but that's another thing that usually we know by mid to late January, okay, this is probably going to be the player of the year in the conference, and I think that race is still wide open. Andy, how do college basketball fans get more of your content? Uh, all our March Madness social media handles, on Twitter, Facebook, NCAA.com. Uh, you can see me certainly uh, contribute to the WCC website with interviews, uh, as well as being on Fox Sports and the Big Ten Network uh, over the next uh, seven weeks. All right, we look forward to it, man. Always appreciate the insight. Thanks for the time. Thanks, Andy. All right, thanks, guys. You got it. Andy Katz on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why. We show how. Makes a good point. The race is wide open for player of the year. Um, and if BYU finishes in second... And Yoli Childs is a 2010 guy. He's got a shot. I would assume that a Gonzaga guy would get it. But they're so balanced that sometimes a guy doesn't stick out yeah. um, in the same way. Petrushev although, has been although, the guy along with Corey Kisper, right? right? Pa- Patrushev is probably the best player in the league because he's really – if he's the number two player in the league but he's on the number one team and he's still really good, that should be rewarded in some play. But it's conference games only, by the way. Yeah. It's not all season. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. This time, Jerem, that we look back and also look forward at the BYU football running backs presented by Tim Daly Nissan. Okay, Jerem, let's uh, attack it from three questions. Yes. One, how did the Cougars perform at running back in 2019? I think BYU was decent to good. Um, when you look at the stats, they kind of scream just like, okay, right? Um, yards per game, 159. That was 68th in the country. So kind of middle of the pack. 4.4 yards per carry, 62nd. 10-plus uh, yards pl- uh, rushes, 44th. 20-plus, 91st. 30-plus, 72nd. I think BYU could have been better at that position. Um, continuity certainly didn't help. Yes. If Tyson Williams starts the whole season, I think he's a thousand yard rusher. That's the headline I, for me. I, yeah, that would have been a big deal. That's and the he, headliner. And he, and he wasn't. So the leading rusher was Sione Finau with 300, 359 yards. Lopini Katoa finished with 358. Uh, Sione Finau had his season ended early yeah. with a torn ACL. You even brought in Tyler Algier back as a linebacker to running back because he was a running back at the beginning of the season. And then he flipped the linebacker, he's back. BYU played six yeah. running backs in 2019. Yes. And six! Your third leading rusher was Zach Wilson, by the way, who didn't play all the games 
and is a quarterback and has sacks take away rushing yards. How was it? It was injured. That's how it was. Yeah. And if Tyson Williams stays healthy for even two-thirds of the season, he clearly would be the leader in all of these categories. BYU's numbers would have been better, but that's not right. the case. I hate that this is a storyline quite often. Oh, so-and-so got hurt, and it ruined the season. It's like, well, can we have other people that can play too? Okay. So that's the goal, right, with BYU football is, is get the depth necessary to hang with these schedules. And so far that hasn't happened. Hopefully it will in the future. Now the next question is, what's the status now of the BYU running backs? Well, you bring back a lot of these people. So Sione Finau should be back after, off an ACL, although that happened in, what, October. So hopefully he's ready to go at the beginning of the season. Lopini Katoa is back, old reliable, right? Uh, Jackson McChesney is going to get into better shape, as he chronicled to you after the UMass game. Doesn't feel like he's where he was pre-mission, maybe he can be an option. Tyler Algier, is he a running back? We'll ask uh, A.J. Stewart coming up here in a couple of moments. And then Bruce Garrett, who Mm. crushed it in Texas. From Tejas. Yeah, uh, Texarkana. Uh, He probably likes Whataburger. Uh, He's going to be here. I do believe that BYU needs to address this group like they did last year with a JUCO or grad transfer that can immediately come in and have an impact. Where's the next Tyson Williams? Oh, I don't come think, to BYU. I don't believe BYU will ever get a guy like Tyson Williams oh. again like that. That way, like he was legit. Oh. Why not? He was special, and he wanted to come to BYU, and he was in a situation where he was transferring already. He was awesome, um, and he could have been incredible. We only saw him for four games. I think that this position needs to be addressed with someone that will immediately come in and do something. Because for BYU to win eight-plus games, you need quality rushing play. And especially in the first four when you're playing Power 5 teams, three on the road. You've already partially answered my next question, which is, what does it mean for the future of BYU football in 2020? We think it means that BYU needs to go out and add somebody, maybe A.J. Stewart, find somebody in the offseason. But right now, who's the number one guy for BYU? Probably Lopini Katoa. He's healthy. Sione Fina coming back from injury. Uh, Tyler Algier is intriguing to me. If he can fine-tune a few elements of his game, he could be a number one. He was, he was pounding the rock against Hawaii. Granted, not a great rushing defense, but for, what, eight or nine of the games? Those, those, are, those are the winnable games. I'm not worried about those when running the ball for BYU. Like, Sione Fina ran hard against Boise State, who was ranked 14th. And ran it's well. the first four that I'm concerned about. Sure. It's not the other eight. And I don't know if Sione Fina is going to be ready physically for the first four that BYU face. It's going to oh, be Lopini Katoa. And what I mean is the other six, because there are six power fights. It's going to be Lopini Katoa and maybe unnamed running back in the transfer portal. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. BYU needs to address this with somebody in my opinion. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Joining us now to discuss Kids Day, BYU Women's Hoops, and much more is NBA veteran and current women's basketball coach Jeff Judkins. Coach, always nice to have you. Thanks for being here. It's been a while. We've got a surprise for you. Okay. I, I heard about it a little bit. Go okay. ahead. Oh, you heard about it. Oh, boy. Okay, 12-year-old Jeff Judkins was apparently a star of all stars in all sports. One of your friends brought in... A little league football picture. Look at you, man. You rocking number twelve. Number what 12. a what a handsome <laughs> devil. What position did you play when you were twelve years old? I played quarterback. Yes, you. Of course, did. you did. You I played, alpha. I played quarterback and defensive end. And when I got to high school, <laughs> when I got mixed. yeah, I know because I was tall and that. Then I was had some speed, so they put me there. Um, when I went to high school, 
the high school basketball coach said you could play football. He wasn't really crazy about it, but you can't play quarterback because we don't want you to get hurt. So they played me at wide receiver and I played safety. And so those, so that's kind of what I did. And I, I should have been the quarterback. The quarterback was not very good. <laughs> we had a lot better team. And, um, but, you know, I understand. He didn't want me to get hurt, and my future was basketball. Okay, so at any point did you consider playing college football? Well, I had a couple offers. Where? You know, one from Oregon. Whoa! Uh, but Oregon wasn't what Oregon is now. You didn't but, have to but, that. but at the time, um, <laughs> them and uh, uh, Rice offered me a scholarship. Um, and then, of course, basketball, I didn't have a lot, but I had more interest. And then I also played baseball. I had a lot of interest in baseball. Utah wanted me to play baseball. Fatty BYU at the time wanted me to come down and look at baseball. So I was fortunate. I played three sports and um, had opportunities to really go anywhere probably with, with those. We're going to talk women's hoops in a sec, but we've been talking about burger places. Do you have a favorite burger place? Well, my favorite place is Hires. It's Hires Big H. Yeah, yeah. What am I? Where's that? It's in, there's, in there's there's one in yeah. It's on Seventh East and Fourth South. There's one out in Sandy. There's one out in West West Jordan, I think West Valley. The reason I love those guys is that the owner of it, um, their two boys were Highland Rams. Went to Highland, went to school with me. Nice. One was a cheerleader. John, who's my age, and so... And the other was the quarterback that you didn't like. <laughs> the other was a, he was a running back, but he was fast. He was really a good runner, but um, we did, they did a lot with us at Highland. You know, a lot of uh, activities that Hires helped us out with. Hires, okay. So Hires is one of my... That probably big five, you know, you know... Um, I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of good hamburger joints there. Yeah. There really is. Five guys. Yeah, yeah five guys. Five, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. What? Yeah, the Texans. They're all defending uh, Whataburger. I love a Whataburger. Uh, I've like had Whataburger? I've had a Whataburger. I don't know if it's as good as those others. Yeah. Okay. But probably my <laughs> probably my hamburger barbecue to home on my Traeger is probably the best. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> if you've got a Traeger, everyone knows it. <laughs> hey, that, right if now, you ran a marathon, everyone. knows I'm, it. I'm telling you now that Traeger is. It's amazing yeah. what that what they can do. All right. Neither of us have one coming up. Coming over on it. Sunday, Juddy, thanks yeah. for offering to make yeah. us hamburgers yeah. on Sunday. I'll do that for you. Grill. I'll bring it out here. Yeah, home sweet home. Now I, I say home sweet home with uh, uh, kind of a half smile because it has been the road that has been so good to you and your women's basketball team in the West Coast Conference. Road Warriors, what what's what's the deal? Why are you playing so well away from home? Boy, that's a it's a great question. I, I don't know. I. I think part of it is we've we've been really focused, and I think sometimes when you go on the road with a with a team, certain teams, um, you get focused and you, all you worry about is that game, and you don't have distractions from other things in your life. And um, you know we 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 talk about it in the season and say, hey, you need to, you don't need to be an up and down home and and road. I think part of it too is crowds. I mean, we get good crowd. We're the second team in our league in tenants behind Gonzaga, but maybe part of that. But it just seems like we have uh, – we, we just seem to be more focused uh, with going through things and be more worried about the game than a bunch of other, other distractions. You're playing the bottom two teams currently in the league, so how are you keeping your team, I guess, with a sense of urgency knowing, okay, these are two winnable games at home, but we've got to go do it. Well, first of all, San Francisco is very, very scrappy. 
They're 0-7, but they probably should have won three games. Mm. They came right down the wire, and the ball bounced the wrong way, and their team uh, beat them. And their their coach is a really good coach. She runs her stuff, and they execute. Um, they're young, and that's part of the reason. Uh, Santa Clara, I really haven't watched much much on them because – Every you know, I have I have two coaches that are breaking down stuff. So when the games are with, but just seeing them against other teams, they have a lot of firepower. I'm surprised that they're in the bottom of the league. Um, part of it is matchups, and part of it is you got to be ready to play every night. You just can't play one night and then think you're gonna you're gonna survive. You you have to be ready to, to really put it back to back. Like we had a really good win against Pacific. It was a real physical tough game and then we had to turn around and what less than two days and play St. Mary's which was a totally different team spread you out and you have to be mentally ready for that and some teams just don't just don't get ready for that not only that Paisley Johnson goes for a career high 31 points in that overtime win against yeah. Pacific I watched it on my computer uh she in played the great. Center. She's the best game I've seen her play but then she has a bum ankle and can't play against St. Mary's, and you still win that game. Kaylee Smiler comes in and puts up 19 points. What does that say about the depth of your guard line? I think what it says uh, as number one is how grateful are we that Smiler was prepared. You know, you you talk about that as a coach your whole, whole all during the season. Prepare yourself. Be ready. Something happens. Your number's going to get called. And talk's cheap. You know, doing it is what you have to do, and she did. She came in, fed both her and Lonnie. Lonnie started the game, came out defensively, was locked into him, did a great job. She made some really pretty nice plays. She just didn't shoot the balls well as she would like, but she came out and gave us a lot of energy. And then, and then Smiler comes in and, and, you know, just let it come. And, you know, we all know she can shoot. You know, and we have shooting drills. We do all this stuff every day, and Smithers in the top every day. So it wasn't like the team was shocked that she hit three pointers. And but what happened was was nice. Is she hit her first one, then she just started getting more confidence, and then the other parts of her game got better. Her defense, moving without the ball, being in the right place, the right time, all those things kind of came into place. And I hope she builds on this and just keeps going because. Um, it's nice to have a kid like that come off the bench and can, they can hit some shots. A freshman from uh, New Zealand. How is Paisley Johnson's ankle? Well, they've done a lot of work. We're hoping she can go tomorrow. Um, we're not we're not sure yet. It's kind of day by day. Um, if I know Paisley, she'll she'll try to do it. Um, <laughs> Sprained ankle? Is that what happened? Yeah, she sprained her ankle. And, in the game? Uh, she did it in warm-ups. Wait, of the Pacific game? Of the game? Pacific game. But played the whole game and scored 31 played in overtime. Game. Played the whole game. <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah, you know. Just uh, adrenaline and Yeah, sometimes and... when you sprain your ankle like that, you can tape it up. And like you said, and decision we had to make. Jeff Jeff Hurst is my trainer, and, you know, what a great job he does. He's like a coach to me. Yeah. When she did it, he said, hey, I think we can play her. But here's the negative part of it. She might play tonight, and then Saturday might be swollen, and she won't be able to play. What do you want to do? And I said, well, I guess we need to play her. I mean, we need to play this game. Let's do it and see what happens. And um, if she had had maybe one more day, she might have been able to play that, maybe play. But um, that was what we did, and thank goodness she had a game of her life and, <laughs> and really, you know, really helped us win that game. How does she sprain her ankle in warm-ups? They were doing some layups, like the two times, two at a time, and – it just she went in and just caught fell down on a on Brenna's foot and oh, that was that was it. Cute. And I didn't see it. I just it see her over there laying down. And I'm going, 
now what? But, uh, you know, this, is, this has been a tough year with this, yes. with a lot of stuff with, oh. with Coach Shaley and then other injuries to our players and Jasmine being hurt and, and um, you know, Paisley going down and um, Kyra who's gone through this knee problem. We've never got her back. And Shaley's had some, had some issues. And then to top it all off, we're walking through or running through St. Uh, Mary stuff on Friday, and Ray Stewart is is being one of the St. Mary players, and he's running through the stuff, and he just goes to to to, to get a ball that's loose, and and he tears his Achilles tendon. What? Yeah. He cared, oh my gosh! He, so he's getting surgery on it on Friday, so he tore his Achilles. So. This has been a hey, this take has it been easy. A, this has we been a crazy a crazy thing. It really wow. has. So he's going to have surgery, and he'll hopefully he'll be back. He'll miss Saturday's game, but he'll be back for all the rest of the games. Jenny, yes. you're due. You're due just for a bunch of good stuff now. The yeah. assistant coach injury. Assistant in coach season? injury. Oh, that's terrible. And then my other right. assistant coach, uh, Mel Pearson, she tore ACL. You know, before the season. So now she, so that's what I'm saying. Lee we, Kamar, stay we, healthy. Yeah, Lee Kamar, don't practice. That's right. <laughs> Take it easy. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, mother's coach is got is gonna have twins. <laughs> that's she's, right. She's gonna have twins. And Kim's gonna have twins in May. Kim. Oh, Kim. Kim's Kim gonna, gonna have twins? twins in May. Well, at least there's nothing to talk about. <laughs> oh my gosh, Jetty, um, go get yourself a huge burger at Hires Big H. Yeah, go get uh, a burger. Kick your feet up, relax. All, all, good karma's coming, man. BYU Sports Nation karma for Juddy, based on everything that has gone wrong. It's all it's all coming back, man. Well, you know, I, it's sometimes in life you you have you have tri- trials, and your team learns from that, and that's that's the main thing for us. And hopefully, we can get these two this week and be right in the run, running and. And then, of course, next weekend's a big, big week too. So, we're excited. We're excited to, to hopefully get playing better and and do it. Okay, we'll be there tomorrow. Yeah, and, Eastern, and Saturday. Yeah. 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 All the kids. That'll be awesome. Let's There'll go, be, baby. be a lot of kids. Let's screaming. do this, Juddy. Thanks, guys. Your class act. Thanks, Thank man. You. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. On BYU Radio. Okay, let's update today's live poll and dive into some more of your responses. Weigh in on the live poll going to vote.byutv.org and voting on this question of the day. What was the best game of the 2019 BYU football season? We gave you two options based on what ESPN put out in their list of the top 100 college football games in the 2019 season. They had BYU-USC at number 93. BYU-Tennessee at number 92, and right now, 63% of the vote going with USC. I shouldn't be that surprised because home game, and that was against a ranked team, and so more BYU fans were able to experience that game live in person, I think. Yeah. Well, you watch it on TV, whatever, yeah. However you experienced it, right? Yes, I'm just saying like it, that there were more BYU fans at the USC game in Pro Bowl than there were BYU fans would, in Tennessee. I would hope so. <laughs> yeah, by about 50,000 more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and every one of them has voted. So. <laughs> I'm sure they have. I'm sure they have. Every single one. Wipe that snark off your face, Mr. Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. What was the best game of the, the 20, 2019 season? Isaac.Kimball01 on Instagram says, For me, it was Tennessee. Since I was there... But overall, Boise State, 100%. 
they could have been in the conversation for the playoff if BYU hadn't beat them. By playoff, you mean New Year's Six, not the playoff. Yes. Um, yeah, they, no, not conversation. They would have been the team. They would have been the team. They would have been the team. Not Memphis. BYU cost them millions of dollars. Baylor Romney's right arm cost Boise State mm. millions mm. of dollars. And by the way, Boise State is not pleased with the current TV contract that they have in place with the Mountain West Conference. Been there, done that, boys. Mm. Craig Thompson. What does it mean for the future of Boise State football? I wouldn't be shocked if they were indie, by the way, at some point. You think they have enough uh, clout and fanfare to go yeah. independent? The, what, what was the key for BYU to go independent? ESPN, right? Well, the, then they have Boise State they, has a separate ESPN deal. No, this is true. Right? So I, I could see that if Boise, Boise State is a powerful enough entity with its football program that they could negotiate from a point of leverage, in my opinion. And they did initially when they came into the league. They thought that BYU might be going to the Big East. They thought that might be a thing. They bounced officially, signed the paperwork, had to pay a fee when they got out of it, and then went to the Mountain West. The Mountain West is a perfect spot for Boise State. If I'm Boise State, I don't do what BYU did, which is uh, try and get bigger and better per se, because what has Boise State done? They've done what BYU did in the 80s. Yes. You, you play uh, in your league, you dominate it, you win a game or two outside of it, and then you're in a, the top 20. BYU's trying to do what it didn't do to become BYU, which is expand the schedule. and the, the, Like, it's not working for BYU. It's not. We're sitting here on uh, one 10-win season in the last decade. BYU, for the first time since the 60s, didn't finish ranked in, in the AP poll at the end of the year. Like, it's working financially, yes. Access, exposure, yes. What I care about the most is wins, and that's not working for BYU. Recruit better. It's not working. Boise State's not going independent. If anything, I think they, would jump, they, com- are. I'm they would jump conferences. They could. If anything. They would probably jump conferences, but there's where, so much where, red where tape Where are they there. going? The American? Yeah, sure. There's so much red tape Geographically, in that. that's just weird. Unless yeah. they now are able to pull in some other teams with them. Now it's the 16-team whack, and that didn't work either. And <laughs> unless you're a Power 5 league, I don't think, think a 16-team league is going Twitter work. told me that a 16-team American is a very likely scenario. <laughs> and Twitter also says there's a West Virginia dude that knows everything about expansion. The dude in West Virginia. Yeah, what, just some, what, some dude in West Virginia. West Virginia! <laughs> At Elko Cougar on Twitter answers our question of the day as we get back to the best game of the 2019 BYU football season. Tough call, but living in Idaho surrounded by Boise State fans, <laughs> beating the Broncos was pretty sweet. Sure. And at their own game with trick plays. I could see how you, you could argue that Boise State was the best game. I, I could see that. Third string quarterback, 2-4, and four, national TV, rainy Saturday night. Who the heck is Baylor Romney? This walk-on, trickeration, Matt Bushman's best game. That was fun. They beat a ranked was, Boise State team. That was really fun. And uh, Boise State ends up being 12-2. and two. I, I have to look this up. That might be the most wins uh, from an opponent that BYU beat in a season ever. Has BYU ever beaten a team that won 12 games? Ooh. Because back in the day, they didn't play, they'd play like 11 or 12 total, right? Now Boise State plays 12. Mm, okay. That was a great win. At Nate Dunno 2 on Twitter, the USC win. In the end, felt sweeter and more rewarding. They beat some really good teams, and BYU beat them, so it helped BYU's resume a little. Yeah, what re- resume for what? Like, I, w- I, w- I wish that that existed. I like the idea. Uh, We've talked about it. USC is a big win because of the brand. It's USC, man. 
national championships, tro- uh, Heisman Trophy winners, all those four stars, they had like 54 stars. Yeah. It's like three. How did BYU win that game? They had a great game plan. They executed that game plan. Zach Wilson made clutch plays. It was a great day. Let's play and one. Picks, predictions, and one on BYU Sports Nation. Presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. Scoreboard going into last night was Jerem 25, Spencer 24, and Jason some other amount. Um, let's recap first. I'll go. BYU will hold Jalil Tripp to 20 points or fewer. Swish! I didn't think I was going to get it. He had 18 with 12 minutes to play. Oh, gee. Didn't score the last 12 minutes. BYU will have six plus steals. Samsonite. I was way off. Two steals for BYU, both by Jake Toulson. It's actually three. They won the game, so there's three. Okay. My two-pointer, BYU covers. Swish! Minus six, so uh, yeah, that happened. BYU by 14. And my and one. Give me some of that. And one. I thought Pacific would go to the free throw line a lot. Shoot 21 mm. plus free throws. No. They were averaging 27 in league, by the way. They only shot eight. Good. Kept them off the line. That was good. By the way, Jason was one for two. He actually got one of his more obvious picks wrong. BYU <laughs> makes six plus three. Yeah. They've made six plus against everybody in league. Or, or Sorry. Yeah, everybody in league so far. The other four. And then BYU finished with single-digit turnovers. Wrong. BYU had ten. Okay, so I'm still up a point. 27-26, Jason at 14. KR and one picks for the San Francisco game on the hilltop now. My first pick, BYU will hold San Francisco to 70 or fewer points. Okay. And one. BYU will have four players or more scoring double figures. The Cougars currently have three that average double figures, but there are a bunch that average just under that. I think BYU has four guys scoring double figures tomorrow. For reference to your 70, San Francisco scored 48 points last night. 48! The magic number for BYU is 70 or fewer. When they do that, they win the game. Yeah. Well, that's going to happen. That team scored 48 last night. Uh, My first uh, one, my two-pointer. BYU by five-plus. Uh, Ken Palm has this as a four-point game. I say BYU's going to Ken Palm cover again. Okay. And one. And BYU scores 76-plus. Okay. Here's why I have this number. That'd be one more point than yesterday. That uh, The last two games, USF has held its opponents to 58 or under. Mm-hmm. Uh, and BYU hasn't scored 76-plus versus USF since 2017. Okay. So I feel like this is an aggressive somewhat pick. You like the Cougars' offense. Mm-hmm. Guess uh, what? Yeah, we're top fifty. We be, bring if top BYU, fifteen in if, adjusted offensive. If fitness. BYU wins seventy six to seventy, we all win. <laughs> That's not what I want. <laughs> that wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear, and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, nine Pacific, on BYU TV and BYU Radio.